The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance coach and athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA and a mom to three girls. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
We are all three back together. Thanks for being here, y'all. Happy two days after July 4th to both of you. Good to be here. Good to be back. Um, Eric, what you been up to, man? So Give us the update. We know you've been injured. Give us the update. So I'm going to save the part you want me to talk about for last, because <laughs> once you started talking, we know how that goes. <laughs> so the update is I was released to start some running again. I had been doing about... 30 to 60 minutes of cycling every other day and um, talking to my, I'll call it my health team. They decided that it was appropriate that I could start running again. So I started running again. That didn't uh, make matters worse with my hip. I can't say it made them exceptionally better, but I certainly don't have the pain I had that drove me to go um, to the chiropractor and the massage therapist and all that. So kept adding a little bit. I'm now working out most days, um, I've got some strength work in, I'm doing some cycling and I've gotten a few runs in. And I gotta say that the, the first three runs I did, they absolutely sucked. It was like, it, it was definitely that, that thing I tell all my runners, the most important days to run are the ones that you don't want to, you know, <laughs> and that's that whole ultra mindset, you know, do, do, if you do it when you don't want to, you'll do it really well when you want to. They were really bad. They were really sweaty. It's just, it was just awful. But I've, I've logged a couple of off-road runs recently and I just okay. absolutely love them. Cool. I was, I did something I have never done. I carried my phone and I was actually sending you guys pictures while I was running. Yes, you, did. you sent us, you sent us a video while you were running. I did. I sent a video of me going across that water crossing. You did. You did. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying it. Good. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. And during the downtime, you uh, you rearranged your uh, your pain cave, the, the the space in your house that you've carved out for your bike. Right. Yeah. So sort of thing, right? for those who haven't heard the whole progression, when we moved into our new house, it really didn't have a workout space. So I moved my bike to the attic. And during the, the end of the summer, I guess it was spring. It was pretty tough. It was it was it was cold. And then rolling into the summer, it was really tough because it was hot, hot, hot. Um, so I actually, eventually my kids went off to college and I moved my bike down to my daughter's room and my wife saw the puddle I made on the floor one time with sweat. What is that? There Raleigh was emergency, there, there little, was little emergency alert there. We're like, there was an emergency <laughs> alert. Yeah. About the puddle of sweat, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're talking about your puddle of sweat actually triggered the emergency, uh, broadcast system. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, I moved the bike down to my daughter's room and that lasted a little while until my wife saw the big puddle of sweat on the floor and said, no, this isn't working. You got to find another place. And I knew it was going to happen. I was going to end up in the garage. So luckily my wife, Melissa, she's just so awesome. She said, well, let's just make it a workout space. So over about the course of about a month and a half, we gathered all the gear. We've got a belt squat. Um, we gathered some free weight gear. We gathered some other stuff that we had had and kind of all put in the same place. And then over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of July 4th weekend, we, um, laid the indoor outdoor carpet. We bought all the workout pads. We pulled it all together, painted the wall and made our, our garage look like Walton high school, apparently. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Uh, 
We have, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, a text thread where we all send each other articles or tweets that are interesting or pictures of what's going on in our life. And and Eric sends us this this uh, photo of his nicely appointed new space with all this great equipment, this well-organized garage space. And uh, And Michelle's first comment is, what's that on the wall? That looks like Walton High School. Is that what? Yeah. Is that even a house? Is that even a house? Was the question mark. It looks like industrial space. I'm sorry. And the way the it the walls are reminds me of my high school, which was a building that was from like the 70s. And I don't so know. From, 19, from 1976, as a matter of fact, is when it opened. So it opened for the bicentennial, which is the reason why it was named after one of the sites. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, I totally get it. I hadn't thought of that while we were doing this. But looking back and looking at that picture, the wall does look like a high school wall in just about any high school in Georgia that I've so, been in. <laughs> now that I'm putting this all together, whose do-it-yourself garage project this past weekend was better, mine or Eric's? Uh, mine by far. What? You simply put up a rack and laid your shoes out on it. I mean, we've got a bike, we've got indoor-outdoor carpet, we have a belt squat machine. Grace's favorite thing I was just showing George is the punching bag we installed. So she First of all, and there's, also, back some there's also, we, we should also point out while we're making fun of Eric, not unironically, there is a poster that says go outside. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It says how to be outside. <laughs> so, so yeah. So while you're sitting there riding Zwift or, or doing weights or hitting your punching bag, you're looking at a poster that, that, that is, chastising you for being inside yes it is okay yes very it nice. is very nice um but don't get me wrong michelle i appreciated the job you did over the weekend getting your shoes all into that rack that looked very nice and putting your bikes hanging your bikes in the wall that looks super cool both of y'all's garage hold on looks hold on mine right now. hold on i built two shelf systems there you go a pulley system that puts the toolie box hanging from the garage ceiling my oh, garage. I oh, I put a carpet underneath the forerunner because it leaks oil and I'm sick and tired of leaking oil on the garage floor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody, everybody puts carpet to catch oil. I mean, <laughs> it is an oil catching carpet. Thank you very much. That's what it is designed for. Now, 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 Michelle, you sent me one picture of the corner of your garage where you had your shoes from a stack to on shelves. And you and now you're chastising me for not knowing how special your garage was. I don't understand. You weren't, you're on, you don't have all the like before and after garage photos. No, I just got the one picture. Michelle did have before and after. So where, where are those if he doesn't have them? Well, there's, well, they're living in my mind because I've actually been to Eric's. Oh my before. gosh. My garage. If it wasn't so hot outside, I would be podcasting from my garage just because it is <laughs> the most beautiful, organized. <laughs> it is, it is truly just. Um, you're feeling so good about your life. garage right now. It is now, life. I will, I will say this. The first thing George points out that I remember of your garage project is the fact that, and this, this is coming from George, which, which made it so funny. Oh my gosh. Even the Yeti cooler is up off the floor. Oh, Could you look at the pictures, please? He pointed out the one pair of shoes that weren't <laughs> yours. That's right. <laughs> but those shoes are special. Because what? Hamilton wore those shoes at Boston and Hamilton helped me finish Boston. So I did return them because and so, he pointed and so, them and so out. And you stole Hamilton's shoes. That's I that's, did okay. for six months. But unlike George, I returned them to Hamilton once <laughs> it was pointed out to me that I still had them. Yeah, once we chastised you. 
That's right. I drove right over to Morningside and left them on her porch. And I bet she's still at the lake, probably. She's probably out of town. Who knows where she is? But there are a pair of vapor flies on her porch waiting for her. All right. So Morningside runners, if you live in the Morningside section of Atlanta, <laughs> there's a pair of vapor flies just sitting on a porch. If you can find them, you can have them. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> Uh, Michelle, besides returning shoes that were sitting in your garage um, and were were organized along with the rest of your shoes, how are you doing? Um, Well, I was supposed to be running Peachtree with you and a friend of the podcast, Lauren Fogarty. And then I was supposed to be getting on a plane to fly to New York to take my middle daughter to drop her off at camp on Tuesday. But instead, I'm sitting on my couch with COVID, which is essentially where I've been since Sunday. Um, And... I've felt better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I thought that um, I was a little nervous about Petrie because I don't really think I'm in any type of shape, but thought maybe I could run well there for my past Peachtree running. And you had um, an expert pacer signed up. Yeah. And I was going to get to run with you. <laughs> and I had done a full, you know, six weeks of workouts. I even got local legend at the Holy Innocence track. I mean, I was just hitting all the marks. Um, so I thought maybe when I started to feel a really sore throat or, oh my gosh, it feels like I have an ear infection Sunday that I was just doing the, oh, I'm racing tomorrow, freaking out. But I think I texted you what, like six fifteen or something. And I was yeah. like, I think I might be sick. And when I, like, if you could have seen, I was laying on my bedroom floor. <laughs> I was so sick. I was could barely get up to get a test. Um, but yeah, so I'm now an official partner, uh, of the global pandemic. Man, I've earned a t-shirt. So. <laughs> this is awful. Although yeah. I guess it's not really nearly as bad as it would be if I wasn't vaccinated and boosted, but correct. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go back to square nothing, I guess, once I can get back. No, going. you're not going to go back to yet. square nothing. So, so uh, you'll get over it and, and then you'll spend a little bit of time trying to find your fitness and, 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 cast out the remnants of it and, and, and you'll be back. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to welcome you to this club. It is a club of which I am not happy to be a member of. Um, but, uh, and I'm certainly not happy that you're a member of it either. Uh, Eric, we're not letting you in. So don't even try. (laughs) Eric's never, you've never tested positive Eric. Not yet. Well, there's a reporter at the Washington Post who would love to speak to you Um, (laughs) because she put out a tweet a few days ago that was said, I'm doing a report. If you've never actually tested positive, send me an email. So, of course, I sent an email about three days before I tested positive for COVID. That's what did it. That's why you got it, you know. Honestly, no kidding. I totally agree with that. There's nothing else that points to getting COVID besides the fact everybody has it. But sending that email was doomsday for sure you just had to be you just had to be smug yeah something like that so yeah yeah well the good news the silver lining of your having covid is that you have spent a great deal of time over the course of the past six days watching the tour de france i could not be prouder of you michelle (laughs) everything such a good use of your time as you've been stuck on the couch convalescing getting to watch uh, the stages of the Tour de France here. Um, and and today you had stage five, which m- me and everybody else who's a big fan of the sport thought was fantastic. And what do you think about stage five, Michelle? 
I knew I was in deep trouble when there was 50K to go and a client called with a really good opportunity. And I was annoyed that I had to take the call because yes. I it interrupted <laughs> my Peacock feed on my phone. Yes. That was the, that was like a defining moment. That was um, like, I'm sort of into it. I know more than I did four days ago, let's say. Thank you to answering all my questions. Also, thank you to Justin. Um, so there's just, there's so much going on at every moment mm -hmm. and they, you're watching the race and then they leave the feed for one second. And then there's like a massive crash. Yeah. And then the guy is what looks like so far behind and he's never going to catch up again. And the people commentating, keep on telling you he's too far back. He's never going to catch up. I think we saw this in stage four also. And then he catches up mm -hmm. like every single time the commentators say, Oh, they've lost it. Oh, he can't do this. Oh, this can't happen. And then it happens. And it, I just find it very confusing. I think mm -hmm. if I knew the people's names better, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm talking like yellow Jersey guy. This is how I'm You're talking about Wild Van Art. Yeah, I am. But mm -hmm. I'm, but I'm not, I actually know his name now. That's the only name I know besides like. That's a good one to know. If you're only going to know one name, that's a good one to know. And the, and the Pogachar guy, I probably just slaughtered his name. Toddy Pogachar. Mm -hmm. Pogachar. So he's been wearing green. Mm -hmm. He's been I wearing Chris, white. He's been wearing white, but keep going. Well, who's the guy in green that keeps sprinting uh, ahead? That's Fabio Jakobsen. Okay, so the names sound exactly the same. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, Fabio Jakobsen sounds just like Walt Van Art. I, 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 I hear you. Like I hear you. Jar. No, no, not Van Art. I'm, I'm good with. It. I was very unsatisfied with George's answer about how they transferred because I think they said it was ten hours from Denmark to get to France, and George said most of them would charter a flight. So I did a little bit of research, and I found out that almost everybody chartered a flight. Like these random people drove, but Chris Froome took a private jet. Okay. So. You want to be that Israel guy, I guess. If but you did, if you if you are a four-time tour champion, you get to take your own private jet. But did his other teammates go with him, or is it just him? Like, is it all the Israel people? I, my, it sounds like just from the way you just described it, it sounds like it was just him. But I don't know. Isn't that not know. nice? So, like, wouldn't you just make sure you had a big enough jet for the other seven riders? <laughs> I mean, if I was Chris Froome, if I was four-time tour champion with my own private jet, <laughs> and I was making a a. a a transition from stage three in, in Denmark to stage four in France. Yes, absolutely. I would definitely make sure I had a jet big enough for my teammates, but you know, I'll also comment kind of that the last, you know, like within the last two kilometers of every stage, there seems to be ridiculous 90 degree turns. Mm -hmm. Like for sure they put those there mm -hmm. to make it exciting. Kinda. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So t earlier today you asked about, you texted me and you said, what's the point of the neutral zone? Like, oh, why well, is it that, well, that every stage starts with like five kilometers, six kilometers, 10 kilometers of everybody just kind of soft pedaling and going long? And the reason why they do that is because they're trying to get out of downtown because they start in the middle of a town and then they have to get out of all the real places with all the sharp turns and the traffic furniture and all that sort of thing and all the people and all the cars um, and get out more onto more open roads out in the country in between towns where they can actually race and be aggressive and take up the entire road. Um, but when they're coming into towns, they kind of have the same problem that in dense towns, there are sharper turns and there's more traffic furniture and there's more people and, and the roads are smaller. Um, yeah, like they went so, from that super wide bridge in stage three. Was that what it was yeah. when they crossed to like two, two lane roads? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, and then, oh, and then they have the traffic circles, like mm-hmm. drivers can't even navigate the traffic circles and the Tour de France <laughs> thinks they should send a hundred cyclists one millimeter apart. Like, and they don't, they, they cut the tangent perfectly, but if you're on the left or you're on the right, you're in big trouble. Did you see them? Did you see them go into that traffic circle today and they were all bunny hopping over it and literally yeah, they cutting just straight went- across it? Okay. So that's the other thing is what I know about a road bike is how did that not just pop the tire? So, oh yeah, they're that good. So that, that wouldn't pop the tire of your road bike. That wouldn't pop the tire of your road bike either. But, but if, if Eric or I were going to, to, to ride our road bikes through a roundabout and we just like, Oh, I'm just going to bunny hop this the way that that Toddy Pogachar did. We, we'd end up. Yeah. You'd end up down. Yeah. For sure. Well, I'm going to say, speak for yourself. Okay. Young, young George. Okay. My, no. My, my bad when, there. My bad. No, there, no, no, my point is when you grew up on the mountain bike, when you learned to ride on a mountain bike and you learned how to then transition to the road bike, a little bunny hop here and there isn't that bad an idea. Mm-hmm. Now, it's at the pace real, they're, going, they're going with that many people around them in that type, yes. at at 50 miles an hour yeah Yeah. that's pretty serious for sure for sure um no it's yeah the the way they handle bikes and the way that they're they're poised is kind of incredible and it's easy to forget because they crash so often um but (laughs) but they they, they definitely avoid far more crashes um than 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 they actually have um okay here's another general comment for a sport that needs to go like straight forward they have there's just and that's so aerodynamic there seems like there is so much like back and forth movement like their bodies are constantly Mm -hmm. shimmying kind of like right left and Mm -hmm. the bikes also Mm -hmm. yeah like particularly like when they're sprinting towards the finish right oh when they're sprinting they're yeah it's they're all over the place when they're sprinting yeah they just look like wild animals aerodynamics go out the window in sprints right Right. But they don't in the last until... few hundred meters. Also, did that guy today who tried, he like went too early. Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, well, well, in the, in, in the, at the tail end of the day, there are four guys left. One of right. them, one of them, one, of, one of them attacked with about a kilometer to go. Cause he knew there was no way he was going to be out, able to out sprint the other one. So that was his only good play. Right. Yeah. And then the other two guys knew that third guy was the best sprinter of the remaining three and so they made third guy do the chase of the fourth guy who had attacked and so by the time the chase was closed third guy who had the best sprint of the whole group was actually worn out and so he wasn't able to do it did you know who won when they crossed the line or did you have to wait for that i had to wait we all had yeah it was was super close yeah, which which was just the capper to a great stage, but but it was funny because you you had texted me partway through the stage, and this was the cobbled stage today, and there's just all this chaos, and there's people crashing, <laughs> and there's gaps forming the peloton, there's people dropping back, there's people having mechanicals with their bikes and and trying to change over to their teammates' bikes, and they're too big, and just, I mean it was just it was crazy, it was nuts, um, and and you texted me at one point, and you're like, why does anybody like this? I am so confused, like people don't even know what's going on, and I was like that's actually precisely the reason why people were so excited about this particular stage. Um, Cause in, in any given stage, and we said this during the preview in any given stage of the tour de France, there's always these multiple storylines that are playing out. You have who's going to win the stage and you have who is doing well in general classification and who's trying to get the green Jersey points and all that sort of thing. So you always have these multiple storylines, but then in a stage like today, because there's so much chaos, all of those storylines are just, multiplied by 10 
Um, and that's exactly what we saw on the stage today. And that's why it was such a good stage. Like all the things that confused you and frustrated you, like fired me up such that by the time we got to the end, I was like, that was a hell of a stage. That's That was one of the best stages I've seen in a grand tour. I enjoyed that stage more than any stage I've seen in the last few years, for sure. No, I was I just was so happy once it was over and I could just <laughs> get on with my day. <laughs> You're so mentally drained. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get it. But, but I do feel like, like, you are you you're getting a glimpse though and i appreciate this michelle and michelle let me let me give you a lot of credit for like actually committing yourself and trying to see whether you like this or not um i give you a a, a lot of credit for, for that but i think you're starting to get a glimpse of why it is that some of us are really into cycling um and why some of us think it's like super fun to watch um it's incredibly frustrating to do by the way to actually get I into imagine. a bike race and like get dropped by the pack or to have a mechanical or for the race to unfold in a way that doesn't favor you or to crash. Like all that stuff sucks to actually do, but to watch. Or for someone to give you a yeah. bike and you can't even reach the pedals on it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah. So jo Jonas Vingegaard, who must, who must just be tiny. Um, see, Vingegaard, yeah. go, like yeah. these names all sound the yeah. same. Well, see, and that's the other thing too, is that, that uh, a lot of the commentators will pronounce names differently. Like some of them will try and pronounce it with uh, more of the way that's pronounced in the native country of the person. And some people will do like a, like an Anglicite version. Of it, also like half the time they just guess who crashed and then they come back and they correct oh, yeah. themselves. I think they just want to not have nothing to say. So they just throw out a name <laughs> of who they think it is. And then it doesn't matter because once they know for sure, they can just be like, oh no, it was his team. <laughs> so-and-so okay which, which feed are you watching which one did you watch so for the first for denmark i watched everything on usa like the okay. peacock us so, so that, no, the, that would be Bob okay Roland hold on stage mm -hmm. one i watched um youtube tv but i didn't like it then i watched the usa feed mm -hmm. on peacock and then i turned to the french dudes yesterday but then i asked you french dudes <laughs> well whatever the european feed on peacock peacock okay. seems to have yeah. two feeds running it does one it is does. actually usa and one yep. just seems like more well, I guess the USA feed also has a European commentator, but the, but the Europe, dude, I don't know. No, this I'm with is, you. No, the, and, and I, the I, I mentioned this, this I mentioned this, I mentioned this on the preview is that Peacock has two feeds. One of them is Phil Liggett and Bob Roll. And that one's more kind of a, a sort, of, sort of a pop feed. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that very much. And then the other one is Anthony McCrossin and Nicholas Roach, who's a recently retired pro cyclist. Yeah. Um, so that's, I like that because. And, that, and, that, and that's the one that I watch because yeah, I, I feel like that's the one that's right. a little bit more straightforward. And also today, I really enjoyed the conversation about if you, only had the op if you were going to like win a stage or get to wear the yellow jersey that was a good conversation like how do you choose you know anyway that was yeah. that was interesting because because there was because I mean, there was somebody on the stage that found themselves well, right, in that exact in situation. that position yeah. yeah trying to decide but they were wrong about all that anyway that guy was never going to get we either we were we were all wrong <laughs> about that we were all wrong about that what a great stage that turned out to be for sure i thought you were going to say you really appreciated the conversation they had today on the world feed about the gigantic sunglasses i missed that that was when i was for sure on a call because you had to rewind that was before mm -hmm. 40k right so that was right about 38k to go so, yeah, um uh, anthony mccrossin says what kind of sunglasses do you have to wear in order to avoid getting all this dust in your eyes and nicholas Roche says well they have these really big goggle style sunglasses that are really in style right now and they're also very helpful in keeping the sun out of your eyes um so i figured you blah, 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 blah. they're not good for anything <laughs> it's all about they would have been so good for people 
Peach Street. I would have looked so, it would have been so fun to wear them, but nobody would make eye contact with me and I could just run. Uh, all right. um, Michelle, you of, rock them. I haven't had a chance. I'm trying. <laughs> Speaking of the Tour de France, let me mention a couple of quick updates about the Tour de France. I mean, obviously a lot of things have happened, but in our preview, we kind of made a joke and we all started joking about how Mark Cavendish, you heard it here first, is going to be added to the tour team. He was not. Um, uh, instead, they added the defending French national champion, which really was kind of an understandable thing for them to do. So when his team, Quick Step Alpha Vinyl, actually had the opportunity, um, they decided to put Florian Seneschal on their team rather than Mark Cavendish. And so he was left at home for the uh, for the Tour de France this year. So alas, what we thought we might be telling you first turned out not to be. Um, also, uh, we forgot to mention that Netflix is actually on the tour this year and they're making a documentary um, similar to uh, Drive to Survive. Um, and we've talked about Drive to Survive on this podcast more than once, as a matter of fact, the F1 documentary that's now in what its fourth season. Um, and the same group is going to make a similar uh, documentary about this year's Tour de France. And so they have access to the riders and access to a lot of the footage and that sort of thing. Uh, be looking forward to seeing the uh, episode they do about today's stage, <laughs> but uh, for sure. Um, but that's something we forgot to mention and, uh, and something that we'll be looking forward to. It'll probably take several months for it to get out. So it probably won't be until the first half of next year of 2023 that we actually get to see that. Um, and so the last... on, that, Go ahead. on that, so the F1 season is a series of races and these guys are you know, like a couple guys are are recorded, you know, videoed, whatever, between races. And then there's a little bit of like right before the race and whatnot. And then it's the race footage. But those races are spread out. These guys are it's, – it's a physically demanding sport. Don't get me wrong. F1 racing is a physically demanding sport. However, I would love to see the prog- – I'm, I'm excited to see the progression from the beginning of the tour <laughs> to the end of the tour – and the patience level the riders have with this guy with the camera following him around right, right, right. and just how they look by the end of the tour. Cause I remember these, I mean, they're going to look skinnier. Videos. They're going to have beards. Half of them are going to have colds. Yeah. Half of them are going to have road rash. Yeah. They're all going to be tired. And so like, I've seen sleeping. like the, yeah. the, the 1970s tour de France videos, you know, the VHS ones they used to make and like the uh, Perry Roubaix and like, it's just different. <laughs> It's just different. And I, I'm, I'm really interested to see that. And the relationships between the riders mm-hmm. on the same team. And, you know, when the lead rider is no longer the lead rider, how that plays out, it's going to be really interesting. For sure. So. For sure. And, and, and teams that you didn't expect to do too, so well, like EF Education First, Easy Post, who Justin Smith kept on making fun of during our preview, has had They're a fantastic well. tour so far. They really have. Um, and, and then some of the teams that you might have expected to have a better tour up at this point haven't and, and what their attitudes and what their, their moods are going to be um, and what the feel inside the team is going to be in the last, uh, last week of the tour. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it definitely feels more like a crescendo. <laughs> yes. Um, so for sure, for sure. Um, but, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to, to, to both of those. Um, Michelle, you want to do a couple quick uh, updates on the USA Championships and what we saw there? We, uh, we did a preview of the USA Track and Field Championships uh, where people were trying to make the world's teams uh, in Eugene, Oregon, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Eric wasn't able to join us for that, so it was just me and Michelle. Um, but a couple of updates to that. Um, um, I went back and listened to it. 
And I w- it was a long one, of course. And as I was listening to it, of course, we were watching what was going on. And I couldn't help but think about what you and I had both said about the steeplechase. Yeah. Um, in the steeplechase, you, Michelle, said something something to the effect of Emma Coburn is going to need to have a really big effort to win an overall national title again. She did. <laughs> you know, what was so interesting about Emma and the steeple is that when I was watching it, I was wondering if maybe... Courtney Fryerick's just um, was kind of just getting into training specifically for the steeple. And she had just come to USA's to just make the team, but that was very counter to kind of what, you know, she said that she wants, especially after coming home with a medal from the Olympics mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. But we only found out quite a ways after the finish of that, that she almost lost her shoe in the first lap. She ran the entire race, basically just, you know, hoping that she'd keep her spike on um, and just to cover third place to make that team. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy for Emma. It's the 10th time she's run at USA's and the 10th national title she's won in the steeple. She had a year where there was no USA's and a year where she was injured. So she didn't run, but she's 10 for 10, which I think is, you know, really exciting. Um, but there's a lot of up and coming talent in that event. And I would have loved to just seen, um, you know, Courtney and Emma really go after it, but I guess hopefully maybe we'll see that because they're headed back to Eugene in a few weeks to do it all over again. So, you know, it, you um, know it. yeah. Yeah. For her to be a 10 time national champion, um, is a pretty incredible thing given that Courtney Frerichs is also in that event and Courtney Frerichs has won medals on a global stage. Um, and so it's not like it's easy. It's not like there's nobody else doing the event. Um, right. But she just never seems to truly ever be contested at USA's. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 time title, um, and not to be outdone while we were talking about the steeplechases, I said some to the effect love, uh, I mentioned Evan Jager because I think that we need to mention Evan Jager because he's the greatest steeplechaser in U S history, but nobody really expects Evan Jager to make the team. Well, eight, <laughs> Not only did he make the team, he got the standard by five seconds. He yeah. didn't even have that going yeah. into the final. Yeah, oh, he had, that was he had, so he had good. basically the best race he's had in about four years, which I think a lot of us are happy about. Um, he he made his seventh ever U.S. team. His first one was actually in the 5,000 meters um, way back in the aughts, but um, made his seventh U.S. team and is going to be uh, representing the Bowerman Track Club in the United States there in Eugene. Um, and so I was really, really, really happy to see that. Um uh, Emmanuel Bohr won the men's steeple as expected, and Evan Jager was second. Um, and then I had also mentioned when we were talking about that, I really wanted to see Duncan Hamilton from Montana State also make the team because I thought he ran in such a gutsy way at the NCAA championships only to finish second, and he finished third. Um, yep. And so I was I was pretty happy with how the steeple turned out in general, even though both you and I had a little bit of egg on our face afterwards. <laughs> Just a little. It's all right. I mean, if if having egg on, I'll take the egg on my face. If that means Evan making another team, right. um, you could just see, you could see him in the last 20 meters. Just, it yeah. was like pure joy, like redemption. Um, like the last four years of trying to claw back from these injuries were worth it. I'm not too old for this. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, he's, you know, I, you don't really hear any, Thing at all negative about him um so it's he's a fantastic you know person to represent us at worlds uh next week in a week and a half it's basically right around the corner yeah so 
Very good, very good. Um, let's talk about the uh, the 800 meters, which turned out to be a pretty interesting race too as well. Um, and we had mentioned that, we had talked about that because we had talked about, we had two athletes, Shane Strike and Sadie Henderson, uh, come on the podcast and talk about um, the 800 meters and, and their hopes for making a U.S. team and outdoors as well. Um, and unfortunately, neither Shane nor Sadie actually made the final in their event, right? Neither one of them made the final. I think they were both, um, you know, went in uh, with pretty high hopes, had definitely been on an upward trajectory this season. But the thing about our trial system is it's top three on the day. And part of the problem with, you know, these middle distance events like the 800 and the 1500, especially when you have to run, you know, um, two rounds just to get to the finals. So it's survive in advance. And unfortunately, neither of them uh, did that. But Atlanta Track Club did put two other women in the final, um, took fourth and fifth place, which right. is amazing. Right. Um, that's uh, Allie Wilson and Olivia Baker. So that was really, really good for the track club and excited to, you know, see what Shane and Sadie and Olivia and um, Allie and all these other uh, Atlanta Track Club members do for the rest of the summer. There's a lot of racing left, even for the athletes that will not compete uh, at Worlds. So should be good. Very good. Very good. Um, the women's 800 was fun to watch for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is what you just talked about with the, the two ATC runners finishing fourth and fifth, but also a thing Mo nearly got beat. Um, and, and that would be, that would be quite something. She was one of the most dominant runners in her event last year um, when she won the gold medal and the, uh, the 800 meters in the, in the Olympics. Um, and she was pushed to the line and nearly beaten by Ajay Wilson. Yeah, that's going to be a great rematch. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I think that, gosh, that had to just give Ajay so much confidence mm -hmm. um, because, you know, up until that point, I mean, nobody had come in. She just sort of glided across the finish with, mm -hmm. you know, several meters uh, back to second place, the next runner. So the 800 was also amazing. Everybody was sub two minutes in the final. Um which has never happened before. So that is cool. just unbelievably fast for, you know, the 800 meter female runners uh, yeah. in America right now. The depth is unreal. Um, uh, I probably the, pick another event runner <laughs> and I wasn't a thing Raven Rogers or Ajay. I don't know. Well, and, and it's pretty incredible on the men's side too. That in the men's side, the, the Olympic trials last year were won by Clayton Murphy and Clayton Murphy didn't make the team this time. Um, he made the final, but he didn't make the team. Uh, Isaiah Jewett, um, who made the team last year, finished second, um, didn't make the final this year in the 800 meters. Um, in fact, there were five distance runners that didn't even, who won last year, who won the trials last year, that didn't even make the team this year in their event from last year. You had Clayton Murphy in the 800, you had Cole Hawker in the 1500, who went out literally in the first round. We had talked about him during the preview. Um, didn't even make the second round, much less the final there in the 1500. He revealed afterwards that he had been uh, injured for a couple of weeks and he had only been riding the bike for 12 days leading up to the race. Uh, Paul Chalimo, who we talked about in the 5,000 meters, won the trials, um, finished uh, pretty far back and out of the race there. He was kind of a non-factor in the 5,000 yeah, meters. total non-factor. Um, and then Woody Kincaid ended up finishing second in the 5,000 meters, but he won the 10,000 meters, the Olympic trials. And as we talked about when we were talking about the preview, um, he uh, didn't qualify as well. And then you also had Emily Sisson, who won the 10K at the trials, but then actually wasn't even going to compete this year 
Um, and so, so she didn't make the team at all in the 10K, the, the event that she won last year at the trials. Um, and so there's some sprinters that found themselves in the same situation as well. Um, one other thing I'll say kind of about the, uh, the 800 meters, um, we talked about Cade Flat. Um, he was the high schooler who, <laughs> and as I say that, Michelle is shaking her head. Uh, he was the high schooler who qualified in the 800 meters. Um, and I had mentioned that he had twice run within a 10th of a second of the high school record. The high school record was 146.45 and he had run 146.48 and 146.51 in two separate races. So in the first round of the 800, he ran 146.54. So once again, he missed the high school record by less than a 10th of a second. Um, however, he qualified for the semifinals. In the semifinals, he ran 147 flat. So he wasn't as close to the high school record in the semifinals as he had been. But he was the ninth fastest person in the semifinals. Even though there are nine lanes on the track, and even though in the NCAA championships in Eugene, they took advantage of that and they put nine people in the finals, uh, at USATF championships, they decided to stick to what they've always done and only have eight people in the final. And so Cade Flat the ninth fastest person who would have been the ninth person in the final uh, lost out on his last opportunity on one more opportunity to try and break that high school record that he missed three times by a grand total of less than 0.2 seconds. <laughs> um, my own take on this is uh, he was pretty humble throughout, but after he ran first, the first round, his mm -hmm. 146, almost breaking the record. Mm -hmm. um, he said after the race that, and I, his name is, I can't remember anything right now, but um, he mentioned the current high school record holder in the 800 and said he has one more sleep as the 800 holder. <laughs> so I think he got like a little cocky, honestly. I don't know. But right. um, yeah, it was definitely, it's like how many one, like how, you miss it by one tenth of a second, you know, three times. Not even, yeah, not even right, five not even. hundredths of a second. Right. So I'm right. So I was shaking my head, George, when you first started talking, because it's still, when I think about it, it's like where you, you didn't have that in you, like you couldn't go just, that's a lean at the line. I, really I don't know not. what it is. Michael Granville, by the way, is the name of the, uh, the current uh, record. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so who is, who is still, despite <laughs> what, uh, what, what, uh, what Cade Flat said is still the, uh, the high school record holder in the 800 meters here in the United States. I do want to mention too, um, we can go back to the Woody and another Emily, but if you want to rewatch any of the races from USA's watching Woody Kincaid, um, take second in the 5k was unbelievable. I mean, he was nowhere. Did you, did you watch that? I did. Yeah. Um, it was I mean, pretty he, incredible. We, we, um, they ended up moving the 5k's to earlier in the day. Right. Um, as we talked about on our preview, they need to do. And so clearly they were listening to us and they decided to move them to earlier in the day. So, so <laughs> yeah, thank you, USATF listeners. It's for, all for us. That happen. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and, and they ended up having uh, Evan Jager and, and, and Emmanuel Bohr, the two, um, two steeplechasers, went out and kind of rabbited the first part of the, uh, the 5,000 meters. And so it ended up being a pretty fast race, even though it was 85 degrees. Um, they did the first 800 meters in 205, for example, um, and just kind of kept on rolling with that. Um, with about four laps to go, um, Grant Fisher went to the front and just 
ran like the boss that he is. Um, he ended up running 1303 for the win and for the meet record. Um, he uh, ran his last three laps in 59.7, 58.0, and 60.7. Um, and his last 1600, so his last four laps altogether were uh, 403. Um, so just an amazing performance on his part, setting that meet record and running 1303 for his first U S title. Um, he sure. finished, he, he finished fifth in the world last year in the 10,000 meters, but he's actually never won a U.S. title. Um, and then, um, Abdi Hamid Noor, um, from Northern Arizona ended up finishing third, um, which I was happy to see. And then Woody Kincaid, like you just said, moved up from fourth to second, um, by running his like, final lap in 54.2. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, was, like he was off he the went screen. From no man's land to second. Yeah. It did not feel like he went from fourth to second. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he I was, would say he was off the screen. He was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Watching him close is worth rewatching the end of that race. And then I think the feel good story of USA's is really watching Emily Enfeld come back from that heartbreaking, you know, fourth place uh, finish to Natasha Rogers at the 10 K trials, which were about a month ago um, and clinching her spot on the 5k team. So it's been a few years of her She's had hip surgery. It's been nothing but, you know, a struggle uh, from the top to the bottom and then back to to make another team. So I'm really excited to see her get her chance to run on another uh, senior team. So the the female distance runner that I was most impressed with was Carissa Schweitzer. Um, she she was fantastic in like every race. Um, what's what's she going to do? So was- it's so interesting. I mean, she did this. Um, she went on a podcast, Convos Over Cold Brew, which I don't think is a very it's not one of the, you know, everybody listens to this who listens to running podcasts. It's not like but the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. No, of course not. Um, anyway, she went on because the host, they used to be roommates and the host's guest like bailed on her. So she brought Carissa on because Carissa just did her a last minute favor. And Carissa she brought talked- Carissa Schweitzer off the bench. Yeah, because they're they're like roommates. They're like old school. Anyway, so but Krista talked about how she had run that 1500 and she had run four minutes, um, like four flat and then something, something. And she was really hoping that, you know, she was begging Jerry for another chance to run another 1500. Um, So I thought that it was interesting going into, I guess, the trials part two, like she already had the 10,000 meter spot and she wanted to double. Um, But I guess you know, she had enough in her, um, enough of a strength runner to run two rounds at the 1500. I think it helped that the 5,000 was a final only, um, Mm -hmm. because they lowered the standard typically in the 5k, you know, for many of the last years, we've seen a prelim and a final. Um, but I guess Krista felt like she could run two rounds of a 15 and a strong five. So yeah, I would say she's pretty impressive. Yeah, she did. Um, nowhere near sub four, but the race just didn't really play out like that. Uh, so, you know, yeah. Pretty good stuff, though. Um, while we're talking about last couple of things, we'll say about this um, uh, things that we can't really let go go by. Um, Fred Curley um, is a sprinter, a hundred meter sprinter. He ran the three fastest one hundred meter races of his life and three of the four fastest one hundred meter races of twenty twenty two over the course of twenty six hours. <laughs> um, he ran. Uh, 9.83 in the prelims, 9.76 in the semis, and 9.77 in the finals to win. 
Um, and so a super impressive performance by him. Um, and then, of course, he went on to run three more races on Saturday and Sunday to, to, to make the team by finishing third in the 200 uh, behind Noah Lyles and Arian Knighton. Um, Arian Knighton, who we've talked about before on this podcast because he's still in high school, um, or at least he just finished high school. Um, so pretty impressive by, uh, by, by Fred Curley. Um, and then we have to also mention Sydney McLaughlin. Um, Sydney McLaughlin has run a world record in each of her last three championship finals, um, the Olympic trials, the Olympics, um, and the, uh, the, the, uh, now USA, uh, outdoor championships. Um, and she ran 51.41 in Eugene on, on, uh, at the championships and in order to set yet another world record to break her own world record, um, she is just pretty incredible. Yeah, she doesn't even look like she's working hard out there. It's yeah. amazing to watch. She's just beautiful. Yeah. It's no, just her, a beautiful runner. She, she, she came off the curb looking like she was doing a tempo run. Um, yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah. She looked great. And yet she was running a world record at the time. So pretty amazing there. Um, all right. Eric, you don't you you have anything you want to add to our discussion <laughs> track? Well, I was just I was thinking about it. You know, you mentioned the heat, mm-hmm. and all I could think of was was there another race recently that was run in some really hot, humid conditions? And I, such as like, say the Peachtree Road Race? Maybe the Peachtree Road Race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, there was July 4th tradition is back. The Peachtree Road Race has returned to the streets of Atlanta here on July 4th of 2022. Uh, the 53rd edition of the Peachtree Road Race uh, hit the streets on Monday, July 4th, um, Rich Kana, the Peachtree Road Race Director, friend of the podcast we've had on, said, we're back. And of course, that got on the front page of all the papers. Um, they had about 43,000 runners in person, about 4,000 people running virtually, um, a total of 47,000 there. Um, this race has had actually up to 60,000 people in the past, all in person. Um, and so people registered and then they closed down the registration. And then about a month later, they opened up the registration again because they realized they had more space. Um, I think for a lot of people, this is their first time doing it. And they were shocked at how crowded it was, even though the field was, um, you know, a quarter, <laughs> three, three quarters of the size that it normally is. Um, um, but yeah, I was out there. They put me in, in wave a for some reason, um, which I haven't been in a long time. Um, normally I'm a little bit in front of wave a, um, but they put me in wave a and I didn't mind all that much since I've been struggling a little bit over the course of the last little while. And that gave me the opportunity to pace, what was supposed to be Michelle and Lauren, but then turned out just to be Lauren. Um, and, uh, and we had a good time. I was proud of what she put in. We missed her goal by about 30 seconds. Um, but I was happy with her effort and she got a mug for finishing the top 500 women. Okay. Her goal was my goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just adopted my goal. <laughs> Let's like, give me a little bit of credit. I'll give you all the credit. Take all the credit right now. <laughs> she did. She was like, we're going to run. We're going to do what? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was good to uh, see that she got that mug, I guess. My my, my Peachtree Road Race experience this year was entirely of your making, Michelle, for sure. Undoubtedly. Oh. The, I, 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 did, I, I ran the race that you set out for me to run. And, I, and as it turned out, it was the perfect thing for me to do. I actually really enjoyed it. Awesome. So, Maybe so you'll be that. up for doing it again next year. <laughs> so, so I don't know about next year. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. But, but, but it worked out well this year. Um, um, and honestly... The idea of going out and racing it would have just been a terrible thing for me to try to do on Monday, just in every way. Um, I would be here literally right now talking about how awful it was um, that I had tried to do it. Um, the second place finisher on the women's side actually was quoted afterwards as saying, the course is very tough. 
it was not easy and the weather is terrible. <laughs> so, I want my, my experience, um, with, you know, I typically volunteer, um, for the Atlanta track club during Peachtree and a lot of times, um, do the, uh, elite athlete pickups from the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that I did pick up, uh, the winner and Bridget Cosguy, who was third place and also the sixth place female. Um, you, you, so you, picked sure... up the, you picked up the winner, you picked up, uh, yeah. Saberi Teferi. Yeah. So, but what I, I will realize, say I is you that picked up Bridget Cosguy because yeah. she's the marathon world record holder. And we were all jazzed about that. I didn't realize that the woman who, yeah, so Sinberry and Howie, um, came off of a flight. They came, uh, straight from Ethiopia mm-hmm. and obviously Bridget came from Kenya, but I will tell you that a few things these athletes didn't even fly with water bottles. Um, they generally wanted to know, like, is it hot and is it hilly? I mean, Bridget has been here before in 2019, but it was so she set the course un- record here in 2019. Right. But it was so unbelievable to me that, well, Bridget was so shocked by the traffic. We came back from the airport about four o'clock on a Thursday. And when Andy Carr had picked her up in 2019, he had taken her on Marta. So mm-hmm. we sat in rush hour and she just was like, I, there's so many cars. Um, <laughs> but it was unbelievable to me how unaware when I read the comments after the race about, you know, how hot and hilly, um, I don't think these Africans, they, their managers just kind of tell them this is where you're going, you know, be at the airport at this time, the race is a 10 K, but they generally, um, when they were asking what's the weather like, and are there Hills? I it was just like, <laughs> nobody, nobody comes to Atlanta, gosh, in July, you know, and wants to know, like, how's the weather? Like, what do you mean? How's the weather? It's abominable. Like, uh, it's not going to feel good out there. Um, mm. but anyway, so, All yeah. Right. So, so Sinberry Teferi, uh, you know, who also has the 5k road world record, we should say, uh, she won in 3049. Um, barely finishing in front of Irene Cheptai, who we were just talking about from Kenya. Um, Teferi has run uh, 14.29 for the 5K on the roads before, and that's the world best here. Uh, She was 10th in the 5,000 meters last year on the track and was 5th in 2016 Rio Olympics in the 5,000 meters. Um, She also won the uh, the 50th New York Mini 10K on June 11th, um, and so she's had a good summer so far here um, uh, with the race's second fastest time ever of 30.43. uh, I learned from Let's Get Physical by friend of the podcast, Daniel Freeman, that the New York Mini 10K is called the New York Mini, not because there's anything miniature about it, because it's a reference to the miniskirt. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, Teferi had also won the uh, United Airlines New York City half marathon earlier this year, and she's the first woman ever to win both the Mini 10K and the United Airlines New York City half marathon in the same year. Um, she said afterwards, I'm very happy I did well here. I want to thank God. And even though I didn't break the record, I'll break it next time. It was really hot outside. So that made it really hard to run. And I'm not really good at handling the heat. So I really tried my best. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, uh, she also said, I came in thinking that I would win and also break the record. And with God's help, I won. And next time I'll break the record. <laughs> <laughs> um, top America. Next time it won't be hot and humid. 
and you'll be better prepared to race in Atlanta in July. Good luck with that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe next time she'll have a, a, a driver that, that will turn on the air conditioner when she's driving her back through traffic. Oh, my gosh. She had an amazing <laughs> ride to the hotel. Excuse me. I had bottled water for the people that I picked up, and nice. I didn't even have to have that. And when she got to the hotel, they were so hungry. There was this candy station in the lobby, and she ate like a pound of Skittles while she was checking in. So that must be why she did so well. That might be the greatest insider story I've ever heard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she, she just took, she ate the Skittles. I've, I was, I was like, this is amazing. This is going to totally power her to win. It did. Cause she won by like a whisker. And that yeah. was the difference. Cause you didn't pick up Irene Cheptai, did you? No. Um, I don't know. So I think Cheptai, there was a huge flight. These flights all came through Doha, but one of the flights, they got stuck. So a bunch mm-hmm. of these runners, I think, including the men's winner. Yeah, Ronex Capruto, who won the men's, got stuck for 24 hours in the Doha airport. There was no plate. We couldn't. There was no. There was no. It's not really the Atlanta Track Club's responsibility once they got stuck in Doha overnight. But there not. were no hotel rooms in Doha. The managers were scrambling. So these athletes, basically, they stayed in the airport overnight. They had nothing. Right. It was crazy. Right. So, yeah. so when they arrived back at their hotels and oh, they and, were just and famished they, and exhausted they and some Skittles. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would feel the same way if I was stuck in the Doha airport 24 hours, I would yeah. definitely want some Skittles. Um, yeah. So Ronex Capruto was one of those people he won in 2019. Um, in 2019, he set the course record and it was actually an all comers us record at the time here in 2701, which is just mind blowing. And at the time he was 19 years old, he's only 22 <laughs> now. Um, um, but, uh, he, uh, he, he actually holds the world record for the 10 K on the roads, um, at 26, 24, um, which he ran in, in 2020 when he was merely 20 years old in Valencia. Um, he, uh, broke away from the pack around seven K and he finished in 27, 26, uh, about eight seconds in front of Kibawat Candy, who is also from Kenya. Um, he said, Ronis Capruto, they didn't talk to him a whole lot at the finish, but I did find a quotation where he said, I was well prepared, but the flight delayed us. Exactly what you were just talking about. But I knew yeah. the humidity was waiting for us here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at least he had a pretty good sense of what it was going to be. Maybe um, that helped him. He so, had to spend less time in the hot, humid weather. So Skittles on one side delayed flight on the other side i mean i hear you but at the same time it's not as if <laughs> doha is some like temperate oasis or something you know yeah, good point. Um, but um um should have mentioned the top american woman was annie frisbee who finished 10th in 32 22 the top georgian woman was emma grace hurley uh who ran 33 26 from brookhaven um you know her michelle i mean she's part of atlanta track club elite now so okay. i know her kind of through that but i also I feel like she might be the daughter of somebody that I've run with. I just, I don't know. I, she's, she went to Furman. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know of her name and I know who she is. If I see her, I don't know her at all as a person, but yeah, kudos for her. I think that might've been like her first road 10 K or I'm not, don't quote me on that, but podcast, um, first American, first American man was Connor Matz, who we've talked about a lot. Um, he finished fifth. He ran 28.04, which is the second fastest uh, an American has ever run in the 53 years of the Peachtree Road Race, which is pretty cool here. Um, it was funny watching the race because um, I went and ran the race and then I had breakfast with a friend and then I came back and went on YouTube and they had the full live stream that they had streamed on YouTube that they had uploaded and I was able to go back and watch the pro race. So I was watching the pro men start and like three minutes into the race, there was this one dude who looked like a kid 
who was like trying to run away from everybody. And I was like, who is this Joker? It turns out it was Connor Mance. Um, we've talked <laughs> about him so much on this podcast. I just didn't recognize him because, you know, I don't really see him run all that much. Um, but anyway, like I said, he ran 28.04. Um, the top Georgia guy was a guy from Atlanta named Edward Bleha, um, who ran 31.11. So uh, good for them. Uh, in the wheelchairs, Daniel Romanchuk won again for the fifth time. He ran 18.39, which I think was the third fastest anybody's ever done this. He's the course record holder. Um, and then Susanna Scaroni won the women's wheelchairs for the second time in 21.18. And she actually set a course record. And so, so she got the whole price purse, right? $53,000. Seems like a good day for her. Very good day for her. $53,000. Um, um, and I think uh, good for her. I mean, she uh, won a gold medal in the Paralympics 5,000 meters last September. And then two weeks later, she actually got hit by a car while she was training. Um, and that put her in a back brace for four months. She uh, had a burst fracture of her T8 vertebra. Um, and after that, she said, my perspective has changed a lot this year, just in how thankful I am to be alive each day and what I have in front of me and to get to the race as well. It's kind of something I didn't think would be possible. And I'm so grateful. So good for her. Good for her. You know, um, George, just to put things into perspective, I remember two things. Mm -hmm. I ran several peach trees. I think I ran seven or eight peach trees, mm -hmm. but I only really remember two things. I remember the time that my dad and I ran together. And this is a, a testament to the size of the peach tree. I ran subseated. I finished the race, cooled down, jogged back to the start, and got to watch my dad start. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the best my my best overall ever peach tree experience was in 2014, and and I ran in the seated division, so I ran out the front, and and I finished, and I won my age group. I won the 35 to 39 age group. And then I changed, I went to my car, which was parked at the finish line, changed my shoes and then ran via a different route. I didn't run backwards on the course, but ran via a different route back to the start and, and got with my wife and my dad and a few of our friends and then walked the whole course with them. Um, and, they, and they were like in time group, you know, T or something like that. <laughs> X. Yeah. Um, but but the, the most incredible thing about that experience that year was being one of the first people in that finisher area, which was set up for 60,000 people <laughs> and seeing like all the ice and all the flip-flops and all the bananas and all like the swag that they had there. And then coming through at the very end. And it's gone. And it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first memory. My second memory, and this goes to the heat and humidity. I ran probably my best one, you know, high thirties, something, you know, and when I finished, I was so, uh, delirious and sick. I was working in South Carolina at the time. I got it. I got, I cooled down and all that. I spent a lot of time in the porta potty. Luckily they had a lot of porta potties. I somehow got to my car. I drove back to my job in South Carolina. I was a co-op student at Georgia tech and I drove back to my job and my roommate's Never thought I came home because oh, I, I didn't come this. out of my room for three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling us that. And they finally, work finally called them because they work for the same company at a different place. I said, have you seen Eric? <laughs> They're like, no. No, I haven't seen him. The bathroom is really again, bad. <laughs> we haven't seen Eric. <laughs> Do you want to run again, Eric? You know, I'd like to. Do you need another Peachtree memory? Uh, probably. Probably. <laughs> 
Probably, yeah, with the two of us should go down there and run the Peachtree sometime. You know, those early races though, George, did you ever run it like in the like when you were pretty young, like before your high school days or no, the the first time I ran it was in the summer of on July fourth of nineteen eighty nine. Oh my gosh. Then you heard the chant as you come into the park. Mm-hmm. t-shirt cold yeah. beer t-shirt cold <laughs> beer t-shirt I, I do remember people chanting t-shirt 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 in that race um, <laughs> but but yeah yeah I, it's, it's kind of incredible to me so this was the 53rd one here in 2022 and i realized i was just thinking about it the other day um doing the math on it that my first one would have been let's see the first one i did was 33 years ago right um, which meant the first one I did was the 20th one. Yeah. Yeah. I was eight years old. <laughs> I was not. Uh, so, <laughs> I was, I was about to turn 15 years old. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I ran my first one at 87 or 88. I can't remember, but yeah, my dad convinced me to go out there and do it. And that was the beginning of my entire running career. Yeah. Effectively the three training sure. runs I put in to get ready for it. And then running the pastry effectively it was for me too. Um, and, and I ended up running cross country for the first time that fall, which was the fall of my sophomore year. Um, and then I ran the Peachtree like four more times then, and then didn't run it for several years, ran it a few more times, didn't run it for several more years. And now I've run it like the last 10 years in a row. So I, I think my number of Peachtrees is somewhere around like 16 or 17. Yeah. That's what I've done. Um, but I'm not totally sure. Um, so yeah, I will look forward to your being back with us next year. Um, the t-shirt was different this year. Speaking of t-shirts, the Peachtree Road Race t-shirt is always a big deal. And they always talk about it a lot. For the first time ever, they had a technical t-shirt. Um, Adidas <laughs> is a, it, yeah, it's, it, Adidas is a new sponsor of the, uh, of the Atlanta Track Club this year. Um, they replaced Mizuno with a partnership with Adidas. Um, and Adidas uh, makes a lot of their technical fibers using uh, recycled plastic. Um, and, uh, and so this was a shoe or a shirt that was made from recycled plastics, uh, that is, uh, uh, a wicking material. Um, and so that means I will probably wear this shirt more often than I wear all the rest of them combined, <laughs> um, cause I'll actually be able to wear it to run. Um, and so I look forward to that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was a cool looking shirt too. The design was cool and the, the color was light blue, but not quite North Carolina blue, which is okay. acceptable (laughs) which is acceptable which is wearable yeah for sure for sure um all right one last thing i'll say about it uh or two last things one i want to give a shout out to justin smith uh who of course previewed the uh the tour de france with us uh he finished in the top 500 men and got himself a mug um uh and it was pretty cool looking mug this year as a matter of fact um if lauren had said oh well since michelle can't run um uh then george you can kind of do your own thing that that would have become my goal would be to be the 499th male finisher and get myself a mug um but lauren did still did want to run with me and so i i now have all these photos by the way um of when we ran past photographers i like tried to point at lauren be like yeah lauren and like point at her and so it's a whole bunch of pictures of me just like pointing at nobody um because she's not in the pictures (laughs) it's crazy thanks photographers appreciate that i have like eight pictures that look like that of me just like pointing and it's like what's he pointing at uh if only we could move the camera over a little bit and see what it is oh Um, no so so yeah um and then the other thing I'll say about it is there's only one person ever to have completed every Peachtree Road Race. All 53 Peachtree Road Races have been completed by a guy named Bill Thorne. Um, he is now 91 years old 
Um, he's a member of the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Um, like I said, 4,000 people did it virtually this year. Virtual race options are here to stay. Um, and he did it virtually near his home. He didn't go to Midtown to actually do it. He ended up doing it in his home, uh, which is south of Atlanta in Tyrone, um, and marked off his 53rd Peachtree Road Race. So good for him. Congrats to Bill Thorne. How do we feel about that? Does the virtual count? Oh, yeah. Totally yeah. counts. Yeah. He's 91 years old. It counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he He's older than both of you combined. Kind of, for him signing up counts. <laughs> um, but we should also mention, I can't believe I didn't mention this. I'm glad you said this. Betty Lindbergh got another finish. She so, did. So she did Be- indeed. Be- Betty Lindbergh did it in person. Um, and, and they started her at, at the front as they always do. Um, we ran past her people there in the first mile and I yelled, I was like, yeah, Betty. And they're like, ah. um, <laughs> um, and then she, uh, she finished as well. So she got herself yet another finish here at age 97. Um, so for another podcast, um, Betty Lindbergh still doing it, man. Good for her. I, I have a quick question for the two of you. Mm-hmm. So Is it a quiz? Cause no. Not, I, okay. Oh, I do need to start doing the quiz again. Dang. Okay. Yeah. I got to get back on that. So anyway, no. Um, so Grace, her Achilles started hurting and I don't know exactly where it started hurting, but I think it's right here. What is your number one? What is your number one? Like, okay, your Achilles hurts. Let's make it better yeah. that I can pass on to Grace. That is so unfair. George looked away to write a note. So he didn't see Eric's foot right in front of the camera. <laughs> Very nice. Right there. Very nice. Um, I'm does very number one. Do, do, does, have... it, does it hurt to stretch your calves? No. So, so have her stretch your calves or foam roller calves or, or use a percussive massager on calves because most Achilles issues come from tight calves or from tight hamstrings all, all the way. Okay. The chain there. George, she's in Copenhagen. Okay. Right. <laughs> no foam oh, roller, I'm, I'm, I'm no aware. percussive massager. I'm, I'm aware that she's in Copenhagen because she's putting all the runs on Strava and I can't give any of them kudos because she won't give any of them names. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Copenhagen is not a third world country. She can find like a physical therapist or something there and buy a foam roller. Does Amazon ship to Copenhagen? Yes. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Send I need to- her the travel, the one that's like half the size. Mm-hmm. She I might have, have to leave it behind, but she, you know what? She could totally fix it. She, she can put it in the Cotopaxi on the way back and then stuff stuff in it and pack around it. And I bet she wouldn't even have to leave it behind. She's going to buy another bag for all the crap she buys and brings back. She's going to check something on the way is, back. Is, gonna is, check is, luggage? is she going to bring something back for me? No. Her favorite runner? kudos her runs. Uh, okay, if she will name one of her runs, I'm not bringing George anything from Copenhagen. I would totally give that kudos. Yeah, just so you would get something. Yeah. <laughs> well, George, what do you want? Like, what would you want from Copenhagen? Some Tour de France paraphernalia. Is it still going to be there? Like, will it be there, I guess, as long as the tour is going? So, I don't know. But, but there, I'm sure there's a T-shirt somewhere in Copenhagen that says 2022 Tour de so, France Grand Depart. Copenhagen. Why didn't you ask? And has her like for a that. picture of of Wout Van Aert or one of the other people whose name sounds like his. Why didn't you ask her for that when her class was canceled? So she went live for the first day. Because I'm literally thinking about it right now as we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> she would have done it for you too, George. All right. Well, Grace, I would appreciate it. Michelle, <laughs> final thoughts. <laughs> Is Grace going to go to an F1 race? Because I have a F1 wish list. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Um, um, don't forget to ring the book of quarter, y'all. So if you haven't been reading it, make sure you read it. 
uh, into our Out of Thin Air by Michael Crawley. Don't forget about that. Um, you about to give us a, a, a real final thought, Michelle? Hope everybody enjoys their runs this week. Uh, I hate to say it, but I'd rather be suffering in the heat and humidity than uh, where I am right now. So we looking too, forward Michelle. to getting back out there. We too. We, us too, Michelle. Us too. Us too. Eric, final thoughts. Um, Michelle, sorry about you uh, catching the COVID. Um, <laughs> but uh, you will get through it, just like we tell all, all runners when they have an injury. This is just like an injury. You'll get through it. You'll come out of it stronger. Uh, hopefully you won't get COVID again, but you never know. I know. How much <laughs> immunity does this give me? Yeah. I've heard anything from six weeks and I'm thinking six weeks, that's it. I'm going to wear a mask for the rest of my life. I got, I got some bad news for you, but before I tell it to you, thanks for being here, y'all. Appreciate it. <laughs>Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here4slayrx, that's the number four, slayrx, Twitter, at official slayrx, and Instagram, here for slay rx the number four slay rx discount code pleasant 22 on behalf of michelle frank patrick ollinger and eric hall i'm george darden thanks for listening to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast